This is the iTest Podcast. Cobes, play the music. This is the iTest. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the grid. I am too diamond talking Mets, Jets, and Bets. It's the iTest. All righty. Welcome back to season one, episode 15, or is it 16? It's 16. Season one, episode 16, the Texas football. As always, I am your host, Brian Donovan. You're probably wondering, why am I doing a Texas football show? It's not Mets, Jets, or Bets. It's none of the above. Um, But that's because the iTest is going to be taking a little bit of a... uh, a new project going on. It's like a a speaker series basically where I will basically have anyone on who's ever wanted to host a podcast episode before and never had the chance to do it. So this is, you know, by the people for the people. If you are interested in talking about anything in the form of a podcast episode, I will have you on. So for today, I've got a special guest on. He's a longtime friend of one of my two older brothers. He is also a crazy big Texas football fan by the name of Josh Lehmer. Josh, welcome, buddy. Brian, uh, thanks for having me on. The way this uh, came about for those listening is, you know, I had, I think I had drunk texted you after uh, Arch Manning committed two months ago. And, you know, I didn't think anything would really come of it. I've listened to the show many times. But then, you know, we started talking the past few weeks and it's the dog days of summer. So, um, you know, I'm excited to kind of give the listeners something a little different than uh, they might be used to hearing, you know, stray away from Mets, Jets and uh, get into some college, college football. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, it, it is the dog days of summer, but it's like golden opportunity for, for podcasting because talking about a football season before it ever even actually happens is like more fun debatably than the actual football season. So this, this will be fun. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go through, you know, a little bit about yourself, talk about the off season, talk about positional groups and personnel, front office, whatever the equivalent of a front office is for a college football team, do a little season preview. And of course, end with some takes, um, you know, I think, uh, there, there should be plenty of those. Josh has got his, you know, Texas football tank on and he's got a headband and he looks like he's he's got his matching Apple Watch band and we're we're also <laughs> drinking some beers. Uh Josh, what are you what are you drinking? So uh unfortunately I'm not having a beer. I'm actually having a white claw, last one in the fridge. But I am using my uh, yellow rose tent. It's a strip club in Austin, one of my favorite places to tailgate uh <laughs> koozie for this drink. So in honor of Texas football, in honor of tailgating this is what I'd be usually having on a game day, a White Claw with the uh, strip club koozie. What do you mean it's a tailgating spot? How <laughs> is it so, right outside uh, the stadium? Well, well are, are we doing this right now or do you, you want to start here? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start with the strip club. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Never hurt to start in the strip club. You know, usually you'd want to end with the strip club. But uh, so Saturday mornings, there's all these um, free tents that are set up. Uh, there's Bud Light, Coors Light, local radio stations, some more of like the natural exotic uh, kombucha type drinks. But then one of the strip clubs in Austin, the Yellow Rose, uh, sets up a tent. And, you know, despite being a strip club, 
It's the staff are so friendly, free food, hot dogs, nachos, all the drinks you could want. All you have to do is tip. There's a great DJ. They take song requests. And, you know, the strippers are wearing clothing and all. It's not, it's not like you're <laughs> in a, at a strip club. I've, I've seen coworkers there. I've seen coworkers' parents there. I haven't seen and it's any not kids. weird? No, no, it's not, it's not weird. I mean, at least for me, it's very normal. It's just part of my game day routine. Uh, I usually get, you know, two to five Dos Equis there and then uh, it kind of sets me up for the day. And does everyone who is like at all a fan or a part of Texas football know about this place? Is it like a staple? No, I think it's more of one of those things that I know about and uh, people within my circle or who've uh, who come out to visit me uh, know about. In fact, your brother has actually been to yeah, this I'm sure he has. with me a, a couple times. <laughs> and just a, a fun side note about, about this Yellow Rose tent is uh, they, cash only, obviously, strip club. They always give you change in $2 bills. So after oh, sub- September cool. 3rd, I'll be walking around with a stack of $2 bills. That's really cool. They don't make those anymore. How do they have $2 bills to just give out? Are we sure they don't make them anymore? I'm I'm pretty certain about that. I think it was discontinued like a long time ago. They may have just uh, cornered the market on it, which is which is a pretty pretty good differentiator there. Um, so that's cool. Sounds like only only the real ones know about this place. Yes. But uh, yeah, if, if you happen to have a, a money expert, probably a good question for them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's, uh, let's start talking Texas football. Uh, you know, before we jump into it, I think it's important to know, like, you know, what your credentials are as a Texas football fan. So being a, a Westchester, New York guy who played college football, but not at Texas, uh, how, how did this happen? How did you end up this, this crazy Texas fan? So I wish I could come on this podcast and be like, yeah, I've been a lifelong Texas football fan. That's not the case though. Um, you know, growing up, it was more of a casual thing. I was a big fan of Vince Young and the uh, 2005 team that won the national championship. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I like Colt McCoy, the 2009-2010 team that lost the national championship. Um, but then I moved out to Austin in 2017. And from there, that's when it really became a thing. Um, you know, as you know, growing up in the Northeast, Chappaqua area, college football is just it's not popular, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, we have we have our NFL team is the you know Jets, Giants, whatnot. Um, but I was just mesmerized by like the culture, the passion. It's like a religion out here, mm-hmm. uh, the, the football. And so when I first moved here, I didn't really have many friends or, or not, didn't really know what to do. So the very first weekend that that I was here in Austin, went out to the uh, to tailgate one of the football games with no intention of going to the game. Didn't end up going to the game. But from there, I actually met a lot of friends and uh, people that I continue to delegate with and I'm close with uh, to this day. And so it was kind of a snowball effect, a spiral to the point um, I'm just, I'm obsessed with it now. I'm a diehard. Go to every game. I try to go to uh, some of the road games too. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. That's awesome. Are they like also transplants, your, your crew out there? Or is it like Texas, Austin guys through and through? So I think that's, that's one of the cool things is that the people who I've met at the tailgates are more locals. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll call it what it is. Most of the people you meet in Austin are not from Austin. So it's nice to actually know some some local people and some Texas people and not just continually hang out with people from like the Midwest or the uh, West Coast right. or, or even from New York. So. Yeah, it's probably plenty from, from the Northeast as well. Yeah, that's awesome though. That's really cool. Um, and would you say like 
at this point, I know you're a, a, a Mets and a Titans fan as well as Texas, like by far your, your, your squad, like that's your number one team. Um, so, you know, the Mets are always going to be my, my baby, the nearest and dearest to my heart. Good you know, that was, that was my first team. Tough loss last night, by the way. Brutal. I, it's just, like, that's why this, this podcast is perfectly timed because although I got good news about Zach Wilson this morning, like I, I can't, I couldn't, this is probably the first Mets loss since, uh, April that like, I truly couldn't stomach. Like I, I, I lost some sleep over, so I'm happy to talk about anything else, but yeah, but go on back, back. To well, your well, no, I was, I, I was following your, following your tweets last night. Uh, shout out everyone. Give Brian follow on Twitter at the, the, I, the I test, but, um, I'm happy that the, the Wilson MRI went well. I was a little nervous for you, but, uh, anyways, so going back to, uh, you know, fandom Mets and nearest and dearest to my heart. Then like the Brooklyn Nets, I don't know. Like honestly, fuck them. I can say fuck, right? Yeah, is that cool? Do whatever you want. Yeah. No rules. Yeah. Like, like fuck them with all, all this bullshit with Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and all. Kind of turned me off. Lost my appetite for them. And then Tennessee Titans. I'm a big fan, but unfortunately, I feel like they're one of those teams that they never really have a realistic shot of actually winning a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. or at yeah. least as as is with Ryan Tannehill as their uh, quarterback. So Texas has. Uh, is this thing that just I am mesmerized by? It's like the um, the eight chick that you meet in the bar, and she's hot as fuck, and she's kind of <laughs> crazy, and you know you're gonna get hurt, but you just you want to just take her home, you know? That, that's what, that's what Texas is for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And by the way, we we started the show. We opened up the show talking about strip clubs. So yeah, you can curse <laughs> if you like. That's that's no big deal. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's let's get into this. I you know I uh, I love the passion. So I want to talk about Texas football yeah. now. Um, so like quick quick state of the union on Texas in in like uh, a sentence or two, if you could like sum up you know, what the past three to five seasons have been like? Like, what is current Texas football like right now? Um, so current te- uh, Texas football, there's, I think, unreasonably high expectations for this going into this season. Finished last season five and seven. That was the worst record in the past 40 years. We uh, had a new coach, Steve Sarkeesian. So at, in college football, you got to give your new coaches, you know, a few years to um, mm-hmm. get their players in and their system in. But they had an outstanding, outstanding, I can't say it enough, outstanding offseason with recruiting uh, for 2023 and, and, you know, for 2022. Nice. So ex- expectations are high. And uh, Big 12 is a little down this year, their conference. So, um, yeah, I think right now people are sipping the Kool-Aid, as always, nice. uh, as with Texas fans. Cool. That's Yeah, that's exciting because everyone... Every like casual college football fan like myself will always root for Texas and want to see Texas back because they're like one of those teams that, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true that when Texas is good, college football is better because of it. So, you know, it's good to hear that there's some optimism. I know that it's been obviously pretty, pretty poor recently, but, you know, yeah. Steve, Steve <laughs> you know, having a name like Sarkeesian come into the building is, is a game changer. Um, so like last year specifically, that was his first year, Sarkeesians? Yeah, last year was his first year as the head coach. He had come over from being the offensive coordinator at Alabama, University right. of Alabama. So he went to the uh, Nick Saban School of uh, Coaching, so to speak. Uh, but it, it's still a disappointing season. They lost a lot of close games. Uh, they even lost the University of Kansas, which is absolutely pathetic. Yeah, you can't lose so, that game. It was well, a tough well, year. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess what 
we'll, we'll start with what went well in the first year. What, what would you say, like, are, are points of optimism about this Sarkeesian regime? Uh, Got to start offensively. Average about 35 points a game. That's really hmm. good. Nice. Uh, I think that was good for 19th in the country. So, you know, he has this great offense, as we saw at Alabama, you know, with Tua, Jalen Hurts, um, Mac Jones, and, you know, the slew of receivers that they, they've sent into the NFL. He's trying to replicate that here in Texas. And for the most part, he did it last year offensively. So that mm-hmm. was definitely uh, a plus. Nice. That's great. Yeah, he's always been an offensive guy. So, you know, if they don't have that going for them, I guess that would have been much more of a red flag than anything else. Um, what What went wrong? You mentioned they lost some close games. Was there anything that was, like, alarming? Was the defense just atrocious? What What, what went poorly? So, um, you know, on the other hand, with the offense, the offensive line was pretty piss poor. Couldn't block well, um, couldn't couldn't pass block, had to really simplify a lot of their schemes because of that. They're just, uh, you know, they had some poor recruiting classes under Tom Herman offensive for offensive line, and uh, they just really couldn't hold up in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on defense, I would say that the defense was a shit show, but that would be totally disrespectful to the shit shows. Okay. They were absolutely putrid. Couldn't stop the run, couldn't stop the pass, couldn't tackle. Um, just god awful. Yeah, yeah. So that that sounds like you know, kind of what uh you you expect from a first year staff where yep. they do they did what they're supposed to do well, and then you know everything that isn't their strength as a coaching staff was was probably it, it, you know a bit of a work in progress. So um, yeah, that 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 checks out. Um, so I, I also meant to ask, like, are there rankings out? Are they currently ranked? So, uh, this, you know, I feel like sometimes the content gods just provide us with this stuff, right? Yeah. So the, a couple of days ago, the uh, USA Today coaches poll comes out. Okay. Texas is ranked number 18. And coming off a five and seven season, you figure, okay, that's fair. Uh, but they received one first place vote. Huh. And so everyone in all the Texas blogs and podcasts and whatnot are like, who the fuck gave them a first place vote? The only other three teams to get first place votes, University of Alabama, University of Georgia, and Ohio State University. So where did this first place uh, vote come? We don't know. But yeah, uh, 18 is where they came in in the coaches poll. Okay, cool. That sounds like actually a lot better than what you would expect from a, a five and seven team. Is there like... Uh, general um, disputes over the fact that they're even ranked to begin with? Like, are other people throughout the Big 12 not thrilled about that? Well, you know, if you ever ask me, I don't really think they should be ranked. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of prefer them not being ranked and having zero expectations versus right. the past, the previous few years, they were ranked preseason top 25, top 15. And then you know, naturally a young growing team is going to have some losses and some, some bumps. It's just devastating when those happen. So yeah. I prefer no expectations, clean slate. Let's just take it on uh, as it is. But they're, they're on the board though. They're, they're going to have a number next to them for, for yes. week one. So that's, that's some pressure right there. Okay, cool. So let's, let's, let's talk about the, this, this off season a little bit more in, in more detail. So their coaching staff, non non player updates is is everyone back from last year is there any changes on the defensive side of the ball what what's it looking like so everyone's back coaching staff wise they uh upgraded at a couple key position uh, position coaches 
they got the uh, receiver coach from Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh, Bren, uh, Brennan Marion. And he's notable because he had the, Belink- the Blitnikoff Award winner last oh, year at nice. Pitt, Jordan Addison, if you guys know who he is. Um, so he's, he's supposed to come in and really help the receivers. And he's also known as a really good recruiter. Also added to the defensive staff as an analyst, but his role may grow or change, is former TCU coach Gary Patterson, hmm. who, uh, you know, he coached TCU for probably the past 15 years, known as a defensive guru. He runs a 4-2-5, same as the current uh, Texas defense coordinator. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's known for finding a lot of diamond in the rough, so to speak. So less of those five and four star players. Maybe he finds some three stars or guys who've been less heavily recruited. So he, he can give a good eye when it comes on the recruiting front, but then also week to week in defensive game planning. And do you think he was specifically sought after because they have the secondary to support a nickel defense as their base? The what? The nickel package, like as their base, oh. do you think they have the secondary to support that, which is why they, they brought in this guy? Well, the, you know, like I mentioned before, the secondary was pretty poor last year. Piss, yeah. uh, no, not pretty poor, piss fucking poor last year. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's here for that. And I think he's here to push the current defense coordinator, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski, to push him a little bit and show him that his job's not safe. If he doesn't perform this, this year in year two, he's out. Because it, right. it was really that bad last year. It was that bad. Okay, so like, I guess, w- what, uh, like, it, it would you say is like the minimum from the defense to, to perf- like, what do, what do you want to see from the defense that you think will consider it a, an improvement aside from just like glaring holes? Like, do they need to get to the pas- passer better? What, what specifically needs to improve? I mean, I think uh, real basic stuff, they got to set the edge better. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times other teams are running outside outside zone, especially in the Big 12, and getting like six, seven yards a pop. That just can't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to get to the pass. Uh, got to get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Sacks were really low last year. The leading sacker on the team, Ben Davis, uh, Rando, but two and a half sacks. Not oh. Good enough. oh, boy. That, that's not very good. Oh, my God. And then last Jeez. of all, as in any level of football, y- you got to tackle yeah. If you can't uh, bring guys down and not allow those extra yards after contact, you're going to going to get destroyed. So um I, I think those are the big things on defense. If we're looking at statistics and ranking, they gave up about 33 points a game last year, which was pretty bad. They came in at 99th um out of 150 teams. Whew. So, yeah. you know, this is a team that had a top 20 offense but then bottom 50 defense. If, if they can just be top 75, top 60 on defense, I really think they could be very competitive this year with that offense. Okay, good. Cool. So that's, yeah, that's that's not asking for much. And, you know, just the idea of tackling better. Uh, did, did you watch Hard Knocks the other night? The the first episode that came out? Loved it. Amazing. Loved it. Loved. Probably the best episode in, in years. I, I really like the Browns season. Um, but Dan yep. Campbell, I feel like, is, is probably going to be the best thing for hard knocks in a while. And he, he had the same emphasis on tackling. I mean, it's not like a, a college thing where these are just like kids compared to NFL players. Like tackling is just so much more difficult and so imperative to like you know, preventing points. It, it's, it's underrated. On the topic of hard knocks real quick, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the Lions coaching staff? Just like initial thoughts from seeing one episode. <laughs> 
love it. Uh, I love Aaron Glenn. I mean, he, the Jets interviewed yeah. him. He, he's like, and plus he's a former Jet, so obviously I'm going to love him. And Deuce Daly was one of my favorites growing up. I've been very, uh, <laughs> I've, I've mentioned this before, like if you were a running back between the years of like 2003 and 2010 and you were 5'9 or shorter, you were my guy. <laughs> like <laughs> that was like I, I had a weird thing for those guys because I you know that was what I I consider you know wanted to be uh, so like the Maurice Jones Drews you know Deuce Staley all those just like little bruisers that were so good at, at finding holes and had ridiculous vision and had some you know the, the ability to wear defenses out as, as such a little guy those those are my favorites so yeah. I love it. It's funny you mentioned that. Me and my friends, uh, I know it's off top, but we always mention, uh, would you rather be Darren Sproles or yourself? What kind of question is that? Of course, Sproles. Okay. Literally. Or your own life. Um, <laughs> that's so random. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I wouldn't realistically, realistically, I wouldn't want to be a professional football player. It's a really, really hard life. Really hard life, and then when you're done, you're five, you're five four, five five the rest of your life. It's just not worth it. Is he, I don't think he was that short, was he? He's pretty short. Uh, you know, I'm I'm five eight, so like you know, uh, I, I feel like five. You know, losing a couple inches would be really <laughs> tough. Um, I, I don't. It's just the idea that like, you know, your uh, your 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 career. You know your 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 best years are, are it's so short, and he actually had a long career considering what he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, sure. he, he spent time in San Diego and New Orleans, uh, you Philly, know, he, he, Philly. Yeah, he yeah. he was around for a while, and he was, uh, you know, he probably was able to have that longevity because he wasn't like a between the tackles guy. He was like that gadget kick returner. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'd rather have my life with. <laughs> Which is, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> what do you think? What's your answer? Um, you know, just like you, I'm not willing, you know, I've, I've been blessed with some good height. I, I wouldn't want to give up height for, for that size, regardless of being a pro football player. I'd rather be here drinking White Claws on a Saturday morning talking yeah, about, yeah. about him. Well, he, he, he's probably, you know, hanging out, talking football right now somewhere, maybe maybe drinking as well. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's not all, all bad post post retirement in the NFL but you know obviously there's some some terrible stories that come out of it as well. Um anyway, so yeah, I, I loved hard knocks and going back to your take on the defense, uh yeah, like every you, you know, the tackling is like the most underappreciated thing in football, I think. Um so covered covered the offseason. Sounds like, yep. you know, a lot of the coaching staff is back on the offensive side of the ball. They brought in a receiver coach that is well-respected, a, a defensive guy from TCU, and they've had some great years for, for a long time, and he was there for a long time. So, you know, it's, it's good to get some, some coaching names in there. Let's talk about the actual personnel. Yep. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you just can't not start with the quarterback. So uh, who who is the quarterback? Is there a, a battle? What, what's the deal with him or them? What, what's, what's going on with the, the quarterback position? So, um, unfortunately we're in another QB battle, second one in two years. Uh, it's between Hudson card. He's a, a true sophomore and sorry, redshirt sophomore and Quinn Ewers, who is also a redshirt sophomore. 
So uh, what's notable about these two guys, Hudson Card, uh, local product, went to Lake Travis High School, shout out. Um, he started last year as a starter. Uh, game one, he was all right. Game two, got absolutely lit up uh, in Arkansas and Fayetteville. And then every, the rest of the season, he was pretty much on the bench. Uh, and Casey Thompson, now at University of Nebraska, was the starter. He was a uh, senior last year. Mm-hmm. So Quinn Ewers, are you familiar with the name? No. Quinn Ewers, uh, class of 2021, five-star number one uh, quarterback and player in the country. He leaves after his junior year of, at South Lake Carroll, big football school in uh, high school in Texas, leaves uh-huh. after his junior year, skips his senior year to go to Ohio State. So he doesn't go to fall camp at Ohio State. He starts on day one of like school, you know, like so we, you and I would go to school and you start on day one of practice. And then he was able to be the third string for the whole season. So considering he didn't have a fall camp and he missed his senior year of high school, not bad, you know, for a 17-year-old. Wait, you can do that? You can just not go to high school and you can go to college instead? Yes. And so the reason he did that was because at the time, the uh, name, Im- uh, name, image, and likeness, the NIL, yeah, had yeah. not been approved in the state of Texas. So he went to Ohio, cashed in on a couple mil, make his money, and then he transferred uh, to Texas this offseason. Huh. Huh. So this guy is an absolute stud. The comparisons he always gets because of all his arm slots and his arm talent is Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes, yeah. He, he yeah. trains with Mahomes. He's legit. But he's young. He's he's only 18, so he really should be a, a, a true freshman right now. So the battle is between him and Hudson Card. If you were to pull uh, Texas fans, I'd say 99.9% want Quinn to be the quarterback. Right. Not only do they want Quinn to be the quarterback, they think Quinn is going to take this program and bring them back, right. so to speak. Right. Uh, you know, back back in the college football playoff and whatnot. He's probably the most hyped up uh, recruit that Texas has had since Vince Young. I mean, he, awesome. he's that good. He's that hyped. That's awesome. And it sounds like you know he's just like a well experienced eighteen year old. Like he, he's he's yeah. got some uh, probably experience that no other freshman has. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. And, he, you know, he played behind at Ohio State, CJ Stroud, who was a high okay. finalist. Yeah. Coach, coached by Ryan Day. Strong history of coaching a lot of good quarterbacks. You know, uh, yep. Justin, Field, Justin Fields. Um, Cardell Jones. Cardell Barrett. Jones. Barrett. Uh, yeah. Dwayne Haskins. R.I.P. Yeah. But um, so ironically, last night, you know, I'm doing a little prep for this and uh, you know, I'm, I'm stoned. And I, uh, I'm watching a, a little show about a practice report and they're talking about how they're like, guys, we got to be honest. The reports out of practice are Quinn's, Quinn's having trouble right now. Mm. And it's not a physical thing. It's just mentally, he's not conceptualizing the offense. He's not understanding Steve, Steve Car- uh, Sarkeesian's vision. And so, you know, being high at the time and then just being a uh, unrealistic Texas fan, I start freaking out. I'm like, okay, like, how are we going to win games if our quarterback, the one who's supposed to take us to the promised land, can't even like know the plays? So uh, we'll see what happens. Today's actually the first scrimmage, so it's usually pretty telling. Yeah, uh, from there, who the quarterback's going to be, and I think we'll have an announcement later on today or early next week as far as who QB wants to be. 
Yeah. I mean, that could be, you know, just the, the difference of being an 18 year old, uh, you know, just, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to understand a college offense than probably anything, you know, despite the fact that Lake Travis or, you know, whatever high school he went to, um, you know, is, is probably, you know, a top program probably has a pretty relatively complex offense for, for a high school. It's probably nothing compared to a Sarkeesian offense, right? It's probably like, uh, th- that's like the next step up and that, that takes some time. And, and so the thing with the Sarkeesian offense, and this is how they're able to, you know, land a recruit like Arch Manning uh, a couple months ago mm-hmm. is QBs and people in football know he is setting you up for success in the NFL. He runs a pro style offense. He has a history of putting good quarterbacks into the league. Uh, Again, Tua, Mac Jones, he had a little work with Bryce Young, Liner, Mac Castle. Yeah, I was going to say Liner. Yep. USC guys. I I don't think he coached Arnold though. I think he had had, uh, gotten caught sneaking alcohol into practice before before the Darnold years at USC. (laughs) Yeah. Sanchez. He definitely coached Sanchez. Sanchez. So, so this yeah. is a guy who has a great pedigree with quarterbacks, um, but you know, with that comes some struggles, and uh, especially for an eighteen-year-old adjusting to campus. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, he's yeah. like it for, just just from like the profile, it sounds like he's undoubtedly the more talented guy, but that's that's not that's not what it comes down to. It's not not always that simple. So, and, and sorry, what's the the other guy's name? The uh, the, uh, the other guy, veteran. Hudson Card, he's, he's Hudson the, Card, uh, right. Yep. Yeah. And he's the one, like Travis High School, he played with uh, oh, he Garrett, went, okay. Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Jets. Nice. Yep. Oh, okay. That's probably why I recognize the name. I, I recognize yeah. like Travis. That's why. Okay, cool. So we'll, we'll find out who QB1 is soon, but it sounds like, um, you know, each of them bring bring a little something different to the table. And I would imagine there's one that the, the fans are pulling for, uh, you know, just like the high ceiling guy. But, uh, you know, it's not always that simple. So on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, I, we'll, we'll go position group by position group. We'll start with the O-line because that's, you know, the least sexy of the bunch. Uh, you had mentioned that they maybe did not protect the quarterback well enough last year. Um, do they have an O-line that's returning? Do they have new guys in there? What, what's that looking like? So the, the O-line is a huge question mark. Um, they're returning a bunch of guys, but these are guys who have given them no production for the past few years. And then uh, just some names to throw out. Uh, Ju- Junior Angelo, Chris Jones, um, Hayden Connor showed some prom- promise, uh, Jake Majors, to name a few. They're all guys who are going to be in the mix this year. Uh, Angela and Chris Jones, they're both going to be seniors. And it's like, okay, this is year five, four or five for you. And we're still waiting for that production. At, at what point do you just be like, oh, pull the plug and move on to the next guy? Yeah. They do, however, have two absolute stud freshman offensive linemen. Nice. Uh, both five stars, uh, Kelvin Banks and uh, DJ Campbell. Huge expectations for these guys, but aside from the quarterback position, start uh, for a freshman offensive line is probably the toughest position to play in college football. Yeah, so so to, to rely on them um, will be a tough task, especially uh, going against Alabama. Will Anderson week two yep. could be really um, discouraging and uh, demoralizing to a, a freshman, you know, right or left tackle to have to go up against a guy like that. I mean, that's just a guaranteed double 
team on every single play. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't leave a freshman hanging out there to dry against Will Anderson. Um, no. Yeah, it's just a recipe for disaster. But it sounds like, you know, might take a few weeks to, to mesh and gel a little bit because it is a, a young group on the O-line, but it sounds like there's some upside there and, and general improvements, right? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, year two of, uh, again, Sarkeesian's offense, year two under um, offensive line coach Kyle Flood, who's a very good offensive line coach, very good recruiter, mm-hmm. have that continuity of working together. I can only imagine they, they get better. I can't see them being any worse. Okay. So, uh, again, they don't have to be world beaters. We don't need them to be uh, all pro offensive linemen. If they can just be marginally better, uh, you know, that's going to be a two to three win increase for this team. Yeah, and you got to imagine these these coaches are going to set them up for for success. Um, cool. Okay, so it sounds like you know, despite the fact that they were pretty pretty poor on on the O line last year, they were still able to put up thirty five points a game, which is pretty pretty great. So there's there's a lot of uh, you know uh, upside there. Um, the more the more fun groups now. We'll, we'll move over to the weapons. Um, start with the running backs, and then work your way through the receivers and tight ends. Uh, similar thing. Who who's returning? Who are the new guys? Are there any like surprise guys you're excited about? Any any like X factors mm-hmm. or you know just like people that that could shine this year? What's what's your take on the weapons that they've got on the offensive side? So where where they're a little lacking off in the offensive line, nice. the question marks the quarterback. Their skill position players are outstanding. Uh, I'd say one of the one of the most skilled um, skill groups in all of college football mm-hmm. starts and ends with the their first string running back Bijan Robinson, absolute stud, average close to seven yards uh, per carry last year. Mm-hmm. Again, this is running behind a uh, shitty offensive line. Um, he can do it out of the backfield. He he can catch passes. He's a good blocker. His nice. moves are incredible. To me, he's the best oh. college running back that we've seen since Reggie Bush. Even running, He's going to be a top even 10 though pick running in this matter? NFL draft. Absolute, absolute stud. You, you can book that. He's him? Yeah. Yeah. He's I'm him. telling okay, you. Okay, cool. Uh, he is well, him. You know, we we're all this talk cool. about it. That's good. Him. He's, I love he's that. Him. And he's a great guy off the field. Yeah. The, um, behind him, they have another uh, potential NFL running back, Roshan Johnson. He's kind of the, uh, the I'd say, the biggest leader on the team. Uh, he sacrificed a lot in his career at Texas. He came in as a quarterback, moved to running back. He's had to be behind Bijan for the past few years. But when he's when he's gotten his shot, he's a really tough runner, um, great pa- uh, pass blocker, and you know he's the mouthpiece of the team. He's the leader, uh, real tough dude. He's a senior, I imagine. He's a senior, Roshan nice. Johnson. Awesome, cool. Then um, you mentioned X Factor. Well, their X Factor. Uh, his name happens to start with X. Xavier Worthy, receiver, uh, true sophomore. As a freshman last year, came a little shy of 1,000 yards. Caught, uh, I want to say, 62 passes, had 12 touchdowns. This guy, uh, he's he's in the role in the Sarkeesian offense that Devontae Smith was a few years ago. Okay. Absolute stud. He's going to get most of the volume of um, targets. Uh, I would expect him to go over 1,000 yards receiving anywhere from 15 to 20 touchdowns. He's, he's Simi- a freak. Similar profile? Is he like a speed guy that may be a little undersized? Exactly. Great route okay. runner. Uh, tough as nails. 
real gamer. I mean, he was doing it last year with these, uh, you know, not great quarterbacks. So uh, I have really high hopes for him uh, at receiver this year. And, you know, size is for, for a receiver is just so much less important in, in college, I feel like, too. Like you can get away yeah. with maybe being a little undersized um, just because everyone else is relatively a little undersized as well. Um, so he, he's like, you know, it sounds like he, he's kind of the game breaker of the bunch. He's someone that can take the top off the defense, but also can be just like the number one target on, on every route. Yes, uh, he's a guy, he won't be eligible next year, but the following year, he's going to be a first-round pick in the draft. Cool. This this year, he's a Blitnikoff uh, trophy finalist, you know, preseason finalist. Yep. I expect him to be top 10 in receiving in the nation. I think he's that good. Nice. Um, what what uh, what else do they got? Who, who would you say is like a, a cross from him in, in their base offense? So, uh, transfer receiver from University of Wyoming, Isaiah Nayor. Um, had some really good years in the Mountain West playing for Wyoming. Obviously, it's a little step up now coming to the Big 12. But uh, he has really good size, unlike Worthy. So he's about 6'3", pretty fast and uh, great hands. He's a guy who goes up and points the ball. Uh, he'll probably be a, a later round pick in the NFL. Uh, I'd say he's he maybe like a fourth to sixth type round pick. But definitely a guy who'll be playing on Sundays. And uh, you know, big upgrade at the position for Texas nice. to have that number two guy next to Worthy. Right. It sounds like a nice little ham and egg complimentary type of situation where they each bring a little something different to the table. Um, any any young guys coming up through the receiver system um, that you're excited about? So the guy who's getting a lot of buzz at camp is this, his name is Savion Red. And, uh, you know, if we're, you know, we, we're, we're one beer deep, if we're doing crazy comparisons right now, the name that he's getting compared to is Debo Samuel. Okay. So, uh, yeah, every, everyone's first team all pro before the yeah. season starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, uh, but he, he's a guy, a gadget guy, can kind of do it all on offense. You can have him yeah. in the backfield and you can line him up at receiver. He's, he's supposedly been a very exciting freshman. Another guy who's gotten a lot of buzz, um, but more recently for the wrong reasons, is a transfer receiver, Ajay Hall from University of Alabama. Notable for having a uh, 50-yard catch in the national championship game last year against Georgia. But uh, a couple nights ago, he was actually arrested for taking a parking boot off his uh, his car. Huh. So, so fuck the University of Texas Department of... Um, traffic or where the fuck it is that's just ridiculous yeah, i mean that that guy's a hero everyone every, everyone dreams of doing that that's that's legendary yeah. <laughs> was he was he like caught in the act i don't know but uh you know th- this was thursday night it's all over twitter texas player was arrested and then it comes out the fine is only like a hundred to seven hundred dollars so it couldn't have been that bad and then it turns out it was him removing a parking boot from his uh his lamborghini no shout out nil no, all, all things could yeah, all, all things. Yeah, true. Uh, that's that's not bad. All things considered, I feel like that's a pretty. Uh, <laughs> that's that's not the worst crime to commit. You know, on on August tenth or whatever it was. You know, three weeks before the season starts. Um, is, is he facing suspension or anything? So he's been suspended indefinitely. I would be shocked if he's not back by week two to play against the yeah. former te- team in Alabama. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the schedule in a bit, but yeah, you know, that okay. that week week two against Bama is that's sick. Um, any quick quick thoughts on tight ends? Anything there? Yeah, so as fans, we think they're going to u- utilize tight ends a little bit more this year. 
couple guys got uh, Jatavian Sanders. He was a five-star athlete at a high school. Ooh, he's, a, he's a so- sophomore. So didn't really have a true position. They've decided to put him at tight end. But there's uh, high expectations. He can kind of just be like one of those, you know, freak versatile guys at tight end. Can he block? Because usually those guys can't block. Well, the, that's, the five-star that's what... athlete converted tight end, they, they can't block. But we'll, I think that's what we'll find out. Yeah. And then uh, they also have a transfer from University of Alabama, Jaleel Billingsley. He had played uh, under Sarkeesian at Bama. And he, he's another guy with some versatility. Supposedly they're going to use a lot more 12 personnel this year, which makes sense. They want to help out this shitty offensive line, right. bring another guy right. in the block. Yeah. Um, but I, I think especially with these younger quarterbacks, you know, you, know, you want to get, build some momentum, give them some easier throws. They'll try to get the tight ends involved a little bit more this year than in the years Plus, past. Billingsley is just a great Texas football name, you know, from, from Friday Night Lights. So it, it, oh, yeah. it makes sense that they would, they would have, yeah, Billingsley party at Taylor's house. Um, cool. So it sounds like, you know, they've got some guys there. They'll be running some two tight end sets. Um, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm guessing it's a bit of a question mark. There's no like true, true studs coming up the tight end system, but they, they've, they've got some things that they like. Um, but it sounds like the receiver group and obviously Bijan Robinson are like the guys of the team that they're, that's what. Yeah. If, if you can get the ball to these guys in space or, or even not in space, they don't, they don't need space. Uh, they're going to, they're going to make guys miss. They're going to score. Um, so as long as, again, the offensive line can just give the QBs a little bit of time, the QBs can just figure out the playbook. I, li- I like our chances offensively. Nice. And who was like the last great Texas running back? Uh, Ricky Williams? I mean, I, I, feel like uh, I can't well, think of any. More recently than him, you had Jamal Charles. Oh, right. He was Texas. Um, I actually uh, got to have a couple beers with him at a tailgate one time. We really? did. Uh, What's it called when you stack the beers on top of each other, like a like a staff? Um, like beer cans or like a beer snake, like at Wrigley Field. Uh, like the cans and like is it like um I don't whatever it's called. I did that with him. Sounds like fun. We, yeah, no, it's it good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds legendary. Uh, that's cool though. He was uh he was awesome. I I always forget he went to Texas. I don't know why. I feel like he's. I don't like think that I, for some reason, I, I think Tennessee and I guess I get yeah. Texas and Tennessee mixed up in my head because they're both orange. Um, that's, that's cool that, that he went there. Um, so yeah, they've, they've produced some, some high end running backs. I'm pumped about Bijan Robinson. He, he feels like the, the type of guy that could be like a, a fantasy first or second rounder as soon as he's in the league, which is pretty sweet. I mean, I mean, obviously you're the, uh, NFL draft guys. So I don't know who's drafting, who you would expect to be drafting in that seven to 12 range next year, but that's their guy. Yeah. That's uh, a little, a little far out. I just, you know, I, I don't, it's, it's really interesting where drafts are going with running backs. I think if Brees Hall was, you know, five, even five years older, he, he's a top 15 pick, maybe top 10 pick, but you know, the Jets were able to get him at, 36 or something like that this year because it's just there, there's such a shift on on running backs but I think Bijan Robinson might be viewed right now as even more special than than Brees Hall was coming into this draft I mean having seen live three Brees Hall games and, and you know, seen however many Bijan games I, I think Bijan is is that guy but yeah 
you know, we'll say. No, I, I don't think you're alone in that at all. Like, I think that's, that's general consensus. Um, but, I, you know, I still think, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, it, does he catch passes? Yes. Great pass catcher. You know, it, when they run the wheel route with him, it's devastating. Yeah, that's so sick. I love I love a good wheel route. Um, yeah, so that's that, that'll be fun to watch. Could he be a, a Heisman candidate? Yes, and so um, if you listeners or if you didn't think you're gonna get any bets today, well, wrong. I have I have your bets <laughs> for you. Nice. I like the value uh, Bijan for Heisman's currently sitting at Fanduel at plus four. Uh, yeah, plus four thousand. So it's a long shot, but. Um, it's the type of thing, if things all click for Texas, I could see him at least making it to New York, which yeah. might set you up for a hedge opportunity. Um, I think it's worth just throwing the couch change on that. Yeah, plus, I mean, I feel like NCAA desperately wants to get Texas in the conversation. So if he's like around it, he'll, he'll, get, the, he'll get the invite. Yeah, so uh, if you're looking for a long shot Heisman, I mean, you also got Xavier Worthy at plus 30,000. You know, maybe you want to throw a couple bucks in that, but uh, I, I wouldn't touch the QBs as far as Heisman goes. Okay, so Bijan is plus four thousand and Worthy is plus thirty thousand. Yep. Okay. Cool. That that, that checks out. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll get to some more bets to, to, for your predictions and, and takes at the end of the show. But real quick, tell me about the defensive side of the ball. Sounds like there's been a lot of changes from a coaching staff perspective, um, but. And then they didn't get to the passer last year and they didn't set an edge well and couldn't stop the, the run because of it. Um, so what, what's going on with these position groups? Take me through D-line, then, then linebackers, and then we'll, we'll talk about the secondary because when they're, you know, if their base is a four two five, the, the secondary is going to be very, very highlighted. Uh, I mean, I, I think it, it starts obviously up front and the defensive line was the biggest disappointment last year. They've, they have a lot of experience on the defensive line, and they also have a lot of young talent, four-star, five-star guys. And, and they just have to perform this year and I think play with more of that kind of um, play with an edge, uh, you know, no pun intended. Play mm-hmm. with an edge, have more of a motor, uh, just to name some guys. Uh, at nose, you got Keandre Coburn. He's entering his senior season. Big-ass dude, like talking, you know, 360 maybe, 370. But he's often penalized, doesn't have that high motor, kind of been a disappointment. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, like we need this guy commanding a double team on every play. Right. T- take a def- take an, uh, one of the offensive linemen out of the, out of the play. Uh, other nose tackle who's showing a lot of promise is Byron Murphy. He's a true sophomore. Um, not the biggest dude. Uh, kind of like the Puna, Puna Ford build, you know, former mm-hmm. uh, Texas no yeah. tackle and then went on to play with the Seahawks. Sure. But just, he can out leverage anyone, plays like an absolute savage. I nice. expect a big, big year out of him. But he's more of like a three? Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's a little shorter and not as hefty in, in stature. But uh, they'll line him up at the nose at times. Uh, okay. On three technique. But not long enough to be on the outside. No, no. He, he's going to be an interior lineman. Okay. But he, he has the motor to, to play all four downs, whereas Coburn's more of a um, first, second down guy than you want him off the field. Right. Uh, right. And then on the ends, we got Obio Agofu, senior. He's all right. We got Tavondre Sweat, senior. He's kind of had a disappointing um, career. Any relation to Montez? 
Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. Same you position, have, though. That's interesting. Yeah. That's you know, a good name for a football player. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you got Alfred Collins, former five-star recruit, who's been a disappointment, really, the first two years. He's shown some like flashes because he's a freak athlete, mm-hmm. but really hasn't put it together. And, and this is a guy who you got to think he knows if I don't put it together this year, like my, I'm not making it to the, to the league. If, on the alternative, if I have a really good year, I might go to the draft next year or, um, you know, I come back for one more year, but this is really like, it's, it's my make or break time. Like this is going nice. to set me up for the next 10 years of my life. So, you yep. know, figure, figure the fuck out. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And then last of all, there's uh Vernon, uh, Vernon Broaden, another, uh, former four star, They'll line him up on the end. They'll put him inside a little bit. Uh, he's been a disappointment. He's a, he's a sophomore. So they're they're expecting either production comes out of these young guys or, you know, they're going to be kicked to the curb and then, they'll, you know, they'll have their freshmen in next year because that's you know great recruiting class. So we'll see what happens to the defensive line. I just, if anything else, they got to play with a chip on their shoulder and just be hungrier and, and, you know, set the tone for the whole defense. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they're, they'll get coached up a little bit better. Um, yeah, the, you know, it's it's tough because in college football, just with so much scoring, it's so great to have, you know, someone on the edge that you feel like can can get home when you need someone to get home on third down and get to the quarterback. And if you don't have that, you're just so vulnerable to, to not getting off the field ever. So, you know, that's, it's, it's an important position in college football. It's tough to not have someone like that. And I feel like, you know, uh, it's, it's, kind of easy to stand out if you are like a, a real pro too from the edge position because you're just that much better than the, the tackles you're going up against so you know hopefully uh they get coached up well and get put in positions to succeed but sounds like there's some some room for improvement um anything with the linebackers from from last year any any like captains here any like you know heart and souls of the defense type of guys so one of their captains, uh, lineba- senior linebacker, it's his fifth year, DeMarvian Overshone. Uh, he's had an interesting career at Texas. He came in as a safety, but a little too big to be a safety, and people just didn't think it was a good fit. But, you know, real hard hitter. So they moved him to linebacker, and he's kind of had an, an up-and-down experience of linebacker because he's had uh, three, diff- three different defensive coordinators in three seasons. So that's tough with three different schemes. Uh, also had a shoulder injury last off season, so he couldn't really train and, and bulk up to the, the you know proper playing weight that you'd want from right. from one of your backers. So uh, this year he's been fully healthy. It's his third year at linebacker, um, and th- they're going to try to get him to rush the pass passer a little bit more, help out with that pass rush. So he's playing more of like an outside backer type role. Mm-hmm. Really, ath- really athletic guy. Um, you know, he's always causing havoc as far as like pass breakups and whatnot. So it, I think if he can just get a little stronger in, in the run game, you know, run fits and then getting to the passer, I, you know, expect some good things out of him. This is a guy who could probably be a guy, uh, another late, late round draft pick. Uh, he's notable for he will, he wears like no less than like 30 different armbands on each okay. arm. So, uh, you know, great swagger on this guy. Uh, hopefully his field can match, uh, the way he dresses. Yeah. But his Plus, play can mess. Yeah. Right. Plus, you know, with having really three safeties on the field at all times, I feel like you can move your traditional linebackers to the edge because you'll you'll have that extra protection up the middle with your your, your strong safety and 
nickel safety. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, the other linebacker they're going to be starting is uh, Jalen Ford Jr. A lot of high expectations for him. I suppose he's had a great offseason, but you know who didn't have a great offseason? I had a fucking great offseason. I had the, <laughs> I had the, the best summer of my life. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so, it's so easy know. to say that someone like looks great and like the you know, best shape of their life. And yeah, that's that's one of those. It was like that. Uh, did you see? Uh, uh, P- P- PMT part of my take did like their Rushmore of offseason cliches and <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the first picks was like yeah best shape of my life <laughs> that's great I, I mean yeah I, I can't really think of the last guy who had a bad offseason right um, so yeah the high expectations for him uh, you know starting at linebacker this year he had a lot of tackles last year and not that consistent of playing time so they're really hoping he can be like their big run stuffer, uh, you know, account for a lot of the stuff over the middle. Um, so, you know, we'll see. And then aside from that, the coverage pretty bare linebacker wise. A couple names throughout there. David uh, Benga used to play a running back. They moved to linebacker. Yeah, and he cool. might, might get in on a couple you know, passing downs. And they have this uh, transfer from James Madison. He's also a short king. I think he's like 5'8". So, nice. Um, so we'll see, you know, those, those senior transfers usually have a lot of experience, but they're not guys you're going to want to be playing on every down. Right. Right. Okay. So it sounds like they've, they've got some, some depth there. Okay. So moving on to the secondary, I grabbed another, a, uh, fist city shout out revolution brewing in Chicago. Um, talk to me about the corners and safeties. So secondary was another problematic area on the field last year. Um, they were, Sounds like they the do, Big 12. Yeah. Okay. Let me just say something. There is this notion that the Big 12 doesn't play defense. That has been false for the past like five or six years. Okay. The, all of football has shifted to playing the way that the Big 12 was playing, you know, five to 10 years ago, as far as spread offenses, putting up a lot of points, taking off some of the bigger guys on the field, having more speed on the field, having these ultra um, flexible linebackers who can drop in coverage these safeties who can play up on the line and then, you know, drop in coverage. So uh, I'm sorry about that, but I just feel like... No, no, it's it's fair. I'm I'm a casual. So I, I, you know, I I hear what the the talking heads tell me. And, you know, I've been told for years that the Big 12 doesn't play defense. And I also watched RG3 put up like 60 points a game at Baylor. So that was kind of where that that, uh, (laughs) reputation started. But, um, yeah, so back to the secondary... They return a lot of guys, but I don't know if it was the new scheme last year or that they just fucking suck. But they, they had some real piss-poor efforts last year. Um, starting off with uh, DeAndre Jameson. Um, this is a guy, he's heading into his senior season. He's started at nickel. He started at corner. He's their punt returner and kickoff returner. Super athletic dude, but he just can't put it together. It, it's just, it's it's really frustrating um but again if he just puts it together and can put, have some consistent performances he's the most a- athletic guy in the field hmm. so he's he's a guy to watch for um safety wise they've moved one of their corners anthony cook uh he's gonna be a senior probably their most solid uh guy in the secondary last year at corner they've moved him from corner to safety which is not unusual for texas they did similar things with uh Quandre Diggs, if the name sounds mm-hmm. familiar. Yeah, sure. 
they had Seattle. moved him from corner Detroit to safety. Um, so, uh, you know, he's a more stout guy at like, you know, 6'1", 195. So he's a guy to watch for. They have a transfer from Ohio State, Ryan Watts at corner. Supposedly a uh, highly ranked recruit coming into Ohio State. Didn't get that much playing time. Uh, I don't know. Take it with a grain of salt. We'll see if he can do. Freshman name to watch out for is Terrence Cooks. Uh, four-star guy, uh, played in Texas, but supposedly like stud. Uh, real real mm-hmm. long, long uh, kind of rangy type corner. You know, you're uh, Antonio Camardi type. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he might get some playing time. And then another guy to watch is Jade Barron. He uh, originally was a Baylor recruit, but got flipped and, and came to Texas entering his sophomore year. He graded out the highest on, on PFF as, as far as any Texas yeah, that's uh, cool. sec- secondary player last season. So he's a real technically sound guy. And so I, I'm hoping he gets a lot more snaps this year. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. If the defensive line and the linebackers get more of a pass rush, there's less onus on the secondary to have to cover yeah. for as long as, as they will. And uh, this overall in the Big 12, the quarterback play is going to be way down this year. So I don't think they're going to be tested as much as they were in previous years. And it sounds like, you know, they're, they're pretty young, but I don't know. I kind of just sense it in your voice that you're generally more excited about the secondary than a lot of other positional groups that, that might be as unproven as they are. I feel like the secondary is more uh, fixable or kind of easy to, to turn around quickly. It, it's not something like offensive line that takes a few years of, of bringing in the right recruits and developing guys. I think right. secondary, if, if you're understanding the scheme, like you can you know, fucking stand in one spot in your zone and, and just don't let people get past you. Like, it's not that difficult. And, you know, plus when, you know, it sounds like they've got some real athletes too, which makes things easier on coaching staffs. If like you, you have a bunch of four and five star recruits back there, that's, <laughs> that's nice to have. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. So overall positional groups, Quarterback battle going on, which is interesting. O-line needs some works, but sh- should be improving. And the weapons are, are pretty sick from what it sounds like. Defensive side of the ball. D-line is more experienced, but, but you know, under has underperformed. And, you know, I guess the, the linebackers sound pretty deep and the secondary's got some upside. So, you know, it's it sounds like a classic, you know, Sarkeesian team where it's going to be offensive focus, but they've, they've got the right guys or, or at least improved personnel from a coaching staff standpoint. And, player standpoint to, to turn this thing around on the defensive side of the ball pretty quickly. So let's, let's move on to this, this season coming up. Um, yep. Before we get, you know, into like the actual schedule, just give a quick, you know, again, sentence or two, big 12 lay of the land. Who are the contenders, middle of the road and, and bottom dwellers? So I think the big 12 is pretty wide open this year. Uh, with Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC, mm-hmm. Gary, Gary Patterson no longer at Tex, uh, Texas TCU. Christian University. Yep. yep. Uh, Texas Tech has a new coach. Um, Oklahoma State lost their defense coordinator Jim Knowles to oh, to Ohio State. So I think it's pretty wide open. Um, at the top of the pack, I think you have Texas, you have Oklahoma, you have Kansas State, you have Baylor, you have Oklahoma State. Um, middle of the road, you have Texas Tech, you have TCU, um, yeah, I mean, and then bottom, you got Kansas and, and West Virginia. If uh, if I had to kind of make predictions, I still think it's a uh, it's a league that runs through Oklahoma. Um, you know, they have the pedigree; they've had these consistent recruits for years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think Texas will be in the mix for sure. Of all the teams that are getting hyped up the most and um, preseason number 10, the University of Baylor, they actually they won the Big 12 last year. Mm-hmm. I would expect the biggest drop-off and disappointment from, the, from them uh, this year. Why is that? Um, lost a lot of guys on offense, lost a lot of guys on defense. They have a first-year starting quarterback. And I think they, were, uh, they won a lot of close games last year with, with some luck. And you know mm-hmm. you need you need your luck, your turnover luck, your sure. you know dropping passes or catching passes. Uh, Texas should have beat them. Um, I actually. Yeah, that's the, do you want old. me to shout out bets when I have bets or same? Uh, we're we're gonna get to that. We'll we'll, we'll get to that okay. in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you talk about luck, uh, you know, it's an oblong shaped ball that takes weird bounces, and you know that that you know you just have to get some bounces over the course of the year. It's um, yeah, it's not even like a, uh, you know, anyone's fault or anything. Like you, you, you ever even Bama has to get bounces. So, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, that, that's why, where the eye test comes into play, where if you notice that Baylor got a whole bunch of those, then, you know, it's just not always going to revert back to them. That's, that's not how it works. So, uh, on the schedule, um, I would imagine not every team in the Big 12 is playing Bama, and Texas obviously is, as you had mentioned. They play in week two. So do they have a cupcake to open up? And then where are they playing Bama? Is it one of those neutral field games? And then tell me about the rest of the schedule. Any like favorable stretches? Any any gauntlets? Um, yeah, what's the schedule looking like? So open up at home against University of Louisiana Monroe. Okay, so that's um, the cupcake. Couldn't be an easier win if they win by any anything less than like well the spread's minus thirty nine anything less than like forty I'd be discouraged. Okay, this is this a team we should hang seventy on? Okay, nice. Um, and then do they go to Bama next? No, no. So following week home against University of Alabama. Oh, Bama's going to them. This That's will cool. be one of the biggest games in uh, recent Texas history. Probably the biggest since LSU in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the was, opener, right? That yeah. was, yeah, I remember that. Second game. game, second game. But your brother was there with me. Shout out. First first real game, right? It was it was yes. Labor Day weekend. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. I remember that game. Yeah. Um, frustrating thing about that is because of the Big 12 and the Fox TV rights, Game's actually being played at 11 a.m. Not, uh, it's not the primetime game. Huh. And uh, so, so this is part of the frustration of, of being a, a Texas and a Big 12 fan is most of the games are at 11 a.m. And you can imagine the, the damage that does to my body having to wake up uh, <laughs> you know, at, fi- at 5 a.m. to start drinking every Saturday morning. Um, but what could play into Texas' advantage is if the game's starting at 11 a.m., I mean, come the second quarter, it's going to be 105 degrees outside. Wow. And te- Texas players are used to that. Bama's not going to be used to that. So that could be an advantage. Um, Bama's not used to that? They don't play in that heat? I don't know. Does, does it get that hot in Alabama? I, I think it does. <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> it's very south. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like it's a little cooler I, there. I, I did <laughs> just look this up, though. I didn't know... Out the state of Alabama is in central time zone. I would have thought they were like losing an hour and playing this game at 10 a.m. for them, but this is, uh, you know, they're, they're in the same either. time zone as Texas, which is interesting. Time zones are weird, really weird. Something um, else. But o- overall, yeah. I mean, to, to travel and then wake up in a hotel room or wherever they stay to then play at 11 a.m., that sucks. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it sounds like uh, you know you, you go out Saturday night, you wake up Sunday morning still in all your clothes in someone's hotel room. It sucks. You know, it's, it's not <laughs> it's not fun to start your day like that. Yeah, I, I don't think Saban lets them go out, but yeah, it, it, it's you know, I, I'm sure they won't they won't be thrilled to be playing at 11 a.m. But uh, there's a lot of talk that you know, no one expects Texas to beat Alabama, but um, supposedly. Sarkeesian has this really special place in Saban's heart, which is kind of odd because yeah. usually Saban's very cold toward his former assistants like Lane Kiffin and Kirby Smart. Mm-hmm. But supposedly he just loves and gushes about Sarkeesian. So I could see him like running the ball a lot, like just bleeding clock and not trying to run up the score. So uh, when we get to bets, we'll talk about that spread. Oh, uh, okay. That's, that's, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, when, when do they play Oklahoma? So Oklahoma is week five. Do you want me to just go through the whole schedule? Or? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Week three, home against uh, UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio. Um, they had a really good season last year, 12-1, one conference USA. Uh, up-and-coming program. Their head coach, Jeff Trailer used to be a Texas assistant. Um, but Texas is going to fucking kill them. Yeah, and I would imagine that's also home, obviously. So that's three consecutive home games yep. to open the year. Then uh, week four is a bye week. Uh, you know they don't play a game that's uh, September. T- or no, sorry, my week four they play at Texas Tech. So September twenty okay. fourth, they go to Texas Tech in Lubbock, open conference play. Uh, so that could be tough. You know they have a new coach, so we don't really know what to expect. But um, Texas beat Texas Tech by uh, forty points last year. I think it was it was seventy to thirty two was the final score. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't expect them to drop that one. Right. Then. The week after that is the Oklahoma game, so 10-1. And that's uh, every year that's played in Dallas at the Texas State Fair. Again, 11 a.m. start. Bullshit. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah, that that game should be a day game because it's such a great day, the Red River rivalry, but 11 a.m. is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's... I don't understand it, and this is why why the SEC is the SEC. And you know, for those of you listeners who don't know, Texas is going to the SEC uh, probably 2025 because of things like this with the TV rights and the money. And just you'd rather be in business right now with the um, the SEC than the Big right. Twelve and right. Fox. Fox sucks. Uh, um, yeah. So you know, you're you're looking at you know. It kind of seems like a minimum of three and two, but if you can be four and one through the first five games, you know, you're, you're, in, you're in business, right? I would be ecstatic with four and one, um, yeah. heading, heading into, uh, then they have a home game against West Virginia, um, 10, 11, uh, October 11th. Uh-huh. I'd be ecstatic if we're four and one heading into that game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's um, big time. West Virginia, is that on the road? Nope, that's a home game. That's home game. So they've got a lot of home games stacked up early. Where, where they go after West Virginia? After West Virginia, I got I got to double check this because I not even positive on that. Yeah, I'll pull after it up West too. Virginia. Okay. After West Virginia, they are at. Um, oh, sorry, I, I misspoke. Oklahoma's the week after West Virginia, um, okay. but after Oklahoma, they go. Um, they're back home for Iowa State. Oh, and, and it looks like Oklahoma's like technically a road game. Yeah, they count as a road game. It's neutral oh, site. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. 
And it, so it's works. so cool because the stadium is split in half. You know, you got your half, um, whatever stupid town, uh, red shade of Oklahoma, and then you got all the burn arms. So it's cool. Right. Right. So then they go, they, they host Iowa State after Oklahoma. They go to Oklahoma State. They go to yep. Kansas State. They host TCU. What's that game looking like? Is that, um, uh, you know, November 12th? That's, you know, they, I, I'd imagine that's got to be highlighted as a, a gigantic game. Yep, that's a big one. Um, just, just to backtrack a little bit, I think the only ones on the schedule for up until that point that they, they could drop, obviously Alabama, you know, kind of mm-hmm. as a loss. Oklahoma's a coin flip. And then at Kansas State could be a really tricky one. Going down to oh, Man- interesting. Manhattan, huh. Can- Kansas, um, really dreary place, middle of nowhere. There's no airport. It's um, huh. not a fun place to play. Interesting. I didn't know that about Kansas State. Um, is Oklahoma State a tough place to play? I, I, I don't think of it as an overly intimidating place. So I think it's a, it's a decent um, home atmosphere, Boone, Boone uh, Pickens Stadium. But they, their team lost a lot on defense. Texas actually won there two years ago. Um, it was Halloween night. Amazing night. I got so drunk. Uh, <laughs> but... Their quarterback Spencer Sanders is is quite literally a turnover machine. Whether it's if he runs, he's going to fumble it. If he passes, yeah. it's, it's going to be picked. I have no faith in him. He's he's considered the best returning uh, quarterback of all the Big Twelve QBs right now, which is just pathetic. Um, I like Texas to win that game right now. It sits at Oklahoma is Oklahoma State's minus one for for that game. I like Texas there. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize there were lines out for every game. Uh, hosting TCU, what's that going to be like? Uh, again, I like Texas there. Texas won at TCU last year. Bijan just put the team on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas plays well at home. I, I think that might be a night game. Let's, let's pray to God's night game. And uh, yeah, I, I don't feel that threatened by TCU. Uh, like I mentioned, Gary Patterson now being on the Texas staff. You know, he knows those players inside and out. He knows uh, probably how to prepare the team for them. Nice. And then go to Kansas the next week. You mentioned you can't lose that game again this year. Got to imagine, you know, they, they won't lose revenge Kansas game. twice in a revenge game. And yep. then rivalry week, November 26th. That's two days after Thanksgiving. They close out the regular season hosting Baylor, which is, you know, also got to be just a game that you're, are, are you going to be around for that? Or are you going to be around in the Northeast for Thanksgiving? What's what's your plan there? So the Black Friday game is always the most fun game. Uh, in the past few years, it's, be, it's been because the team's already been out of it and it's a meaningless right. game. So the, this is a game. It's always it, it's obviously it's an early game always, and that's fine because Black Friday. You know, you're you're working off your hangover, your food hangover from Thanksgiving. But like people are getting so tuned up at this game. There's nobody's working. Um, you get there early. You can sit as close as you want. I had a notable experience a couple of years ago heckling a lot of the, the Texas Tech players. I was sitting so close. Um, got to meet Ricky Williams before the game. That was pretty cool. Nice. So so the, the Black Friday game is always a really fun game. And then plus this year, I think it's going to be co- coinciding right with that uh, USA-England World Cup game. Ooh, that is. Yeah. Shout out. Um, yeah, that's going to be awesome. So that should be a fun day. And if things go the way I'm hoping they go, that could be a really big game. It could be for a berth to the Big 12 championship. Nice. Um, you know, it could be to, to get nine wins, maybe 10 wins. So we'll see. Nice. 
Cool. So that's that's the schedule. It seems like you know there there is a path to ten wins, which is pretty cool. That's that's the number you want to get to. Um, so let's 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 move on to you know speaking of forecasting out, let's let's move on to predictions and takes. So before yep. any any bets come out, answer answer three questions for me. Um, first question is going to be offensive MVP. Second question is defensive MVP. Third question is if blank happens, Texas will win 10 games. Uh, offensive MVP, Xavier Worthy. Uh, defensive MVP, DeMarvian Overshone. Okay. And, and if blank happens, Texas will win 10 games. Uh, I said it before, if Texas has a top 50, 5-0 defense, uh, statistically, they will win 10 games. And what's that metric that you're looking at? Do they do DVOA in college? I'm, I'm just looking at points per game. Points per game, okay. If you, can, if you can be top 50 there, they let up 33 points per game last year, so I'd imagine top 50 has got to be somewhere... 24-ish? Yeah, 24-ish. Yeah. Um, okay. I think with their offense, they're going to win a lot of games. Love it. Love it. Okay, good. So let's uh, let's 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 close this up with uh, some some bets, some some predictions, some takes, record, um, anything. Floor is yours. Hit me with some some uh, some locks. All right. So first one I had floated out earlier, the Bijan for Heisman at plus four thousand. I like the value there. If this team is good, uh, you know he's the most talented back in the country. I see him getting to New York. Like you mentioned, Texas yeah. is the biggest brand in college football. It, it really helps uh, the brand of college football to have him in New York. He's a great mm-hmm. personality guy too, so he's he's someone you want in front of all the cameras, doing his speeches and whatnot. Nice. Um, if we're looking at season win total, most books have it at over under eight and a half. Uh, Juice wise is about minus one fifteen, minus one twenty. I like the over. I think a, a very realistic spot for Texas to land at is nine wins. Obviously we want, we want 10, you know, we want to go undefeated, but 10 is great. I, I think nine's more realistic. Uh, pessimistic Josh thinks, uh, eight and four is what they end up with. Okay. But, but for the sake of, of the bet, I like going over on the eight and a half. I can definitely see the path to losing three games. And I, I don't see the path to losing four. Um, so for that, I would take uh, take the over eight and a half. Nice, I love it. And um, actually, I'm looking at Heisman Trophy futures right now, and Bijan is already down to plus twenty two hundred. So you gotta you gotta jump on that quickly if you're interested. Oh, yeah, that's. Um, um, I guess I, I gave you fake, fake news. No, I mean you you were probably looking at it uh, a couple of days ago, and maybe there's some been some momentum behind them. Um, I don't see worthy listed on DraftKings, but. Yeah, they the the most they go up to is plus twenty thousand. But uh, yeah, Bijan is he's right there. He's top five in odds. Oh, it might have been I was on FanDuel. That could have been okay. But either way, I mean, being top five in odds is like yeah, that's right there. That's that's an invite. Um. So next, uh, if we're just looking at the Big Twelve as a whole, I think uh, I like Texas. Plus two fifty to win the Big Twelve. Ooh. Now, do I think they're going to win it um, outright? Because then they have to go to the Big Twelve championship game and actually win. I don't know, but I like at least setting yourself up for that hedge opportunity in that championship game. Uh, yeah, so that they're, just means they're, they're, they're second in odds right there. Yeah, you just got to yeah. win. It comes down to one game basically. 
I think in this climate of a down Big 12, both teams who enter the championship game are probably going to have two losses in the conference. Mm-hmm. So I'd feel comfortable um, with Texas in that spot. And then if nothing else, it sets you up for that hedge opportunity in the championship game where the spread is not going to be too many points or you go uh, with the money line. Right. Nice. Um, do, do you want me to keep going on Texas bets or other teams? You can do some. Wait, real quick. Does Big 12 have a championship game? Yes, they have a championship game, but they don't They don't have divisions. There's just, uh, it's all just the teams. straight through. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's team. how it should. Yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah. Um, what what conference doesn't have? What am I thinking of? What conference doesn't have a championship game? Big Ten, maybe. No, they have one. I think that, I think most of them have one now. In basketball, do they have a championship game? In basketball, it used to be the Ivy League didn't have one. Maybe that. I can't imagine that's what I'm getting confused with. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Interesting. All right. Anyway, move on to other bets that you like. Talk to Um, me about college football. So for individual games, right now the Bama game, the spread is sitting at uh, Bama minus 15 and a half. I think that line's only going to keep going up and up. And then I I think it's going to settle somewhere like 20 and a half, 21 and a half. If you can grab that, uh, so I'd, I'd wait. If you can grab that, I, I do think Texas yep. comes within three t- three touchdowns. Like I said, Saban has this soft spot for Sark. I think he just runs the ball a lot. Doesn't you know? You no, don't want to get anyone anyone hurt or overexposed in non conference play. Uh, and right. you know, Bama Bama is a better team, so uh, I like te- Texas to cover there. You know, it's it's like kind of their uh, RIA risk it all type what, game. What's, what's the number you pounce at if it's fifteen and a half right now, and you suggest waiting a bit? Seventeen and a half. Yeah, I mean, for, yeah, for, I mean, I, I think it's, it's going to keep going up. Um, yeah, I, I think seventeen and a half. Do you think it is, gets? You think it gets to three scores? I, I I think it'll get to twenty and a half. Okay, good to know. Right now, I actually see it at fourteen and a half right now. Right, you're on DraftKings. Okay. Yeah, interesting. All right, maybe uh, it sounds like yeah. There's there's no sense in taking it right now. Anyway, keep keep going with your your takes. Um, week, the, the West Virginia week, so that's, uh, October 11th. It's, um, Texas favorite 10 and a half. I would pounce on that now. I think Texas beats them by 20 or more. Okay. I don't think West Virginia is very good. Uh, the Red River. I'm actually, I'm genuine. I'm taking it right now. Let me find it. Okay. Oh, shit. What, what's the date? October 11th? Yeah. They have Texas, Oklahoma, and then it skips over. Damn. Bummer. What, what do you think the line in Texas Oklahoma is? Is it? I think it was it Oklahoma two and a half. Yeah. Um. I mean, th- this is a coin flip game. So if you can get the points, I would take the points. The the ebbs and flows of these games every year are just crazy. I don't know if you if you watched the game yeah, last year. Ma- madness every year. They were up twenty uh, twenty eight to seven. They end up losing forty two thirty five on a walk off uh, touchdown run by Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, no one really knows what to expect from Oklahoma either this year. At the end of the day, it is Oklahoma. Um, so yeah, you know that's kind of a coin flip game. If you can get that West Virginia, West Virginia line at Texas ten and a half, I would take Texas. I like Texas in that Oklahoma State game. Line is right now Oklahoma State minus one. I like Texas to win on the road there. Mm-hmm. Um. And then just in general, I think this is going to be a, a really good team to bet overs on. 
I know we all love overs. Yep. Uh, because they're going to score a ton of points and they can't guard anyone and stop anyone. So they're going to give up a ton of points. Even with those, those big 12 overs, you're still supporting it? That, well, that big 12 mar- reputation? Yeah. The market's corrected and, and they, they have, they've lowered the totals now. So. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, that's yeah. good intel. Nice. Nice. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about Texas. I, you know, I, I've never had a college football team. I think the closest thing I ever had to a college football team was probably the 07 national championship game. So yeah, I may <laughs> as well. Just, <laughs> I mean, that was, were, were you a Texas fan at the time? I forgot what you said. Were, it was that part of it. So, but uh, are you talking about when, um, like the Vince Young team in 05? 05, sorry. Yeah. 05. Yeah. My bad. Um, I wasn't a fan at the time. Obviously watched the game, was blown away. And then that was um, so cool. That, it was amazing. That was- yeah, amazing. Amazing. And then, uh, you know, I remember like, you know, everyone liked Texas during the Durant years too. So or I guess it was just Durant year, right? He was, he was one and done in Texas. So, yep. you know, I, I guess, you know, I've, I've rooted for Texas in the past. I may as well jump back on, on the train in 2022. Dude, we, we would love to have you. Uh, do you want me to give two last quick, um, just big 12 bets? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh, these two best bets I've already, I've already placed. If you can get an under, um, eight for Baylor under eight wins, most, most books have seven and a half. If you can get an eight, get your eight so you can hedge. Um, or, you know, you have that protection of that eighth win. I -hmm. don't see this team having the same success they had last year. Year before last year, they were the worst, one of the worst teams in college football. They won, I think, two games. Then they had a couple transfers last year. Great season. I expect a huge regression this year. They're not going to get all that turnover luck, win all those close games. Um, Go Baylor under eight if you can get that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this is kind of a fun one to root for, but I do feel good about it. Kansas over two and a half wins. Ooh. So they start off. Yes. um, They start off the season with Tennessee Tech bullshit FCS school. That's a win. That's one right there. Yeah. And then they have Duke at home and Duke stinks. Uh-huh. So, so that's two, and then they have the whole entire Big Twelve season to try to, to get, get lucky get, once. Yeah, yeah, and you know they they beat Texas at Texas last year. They, they had a new coach last year. They're building a program. Got to think they get at least one in conference. So Kansas over two and a half. Nice, love it, love it. Who who's the single best player in the Big Twelve this year? I think it depends who you ask. You ask me, I'd say Bijan Robinson. A lot of people might nice. say. The Kansas State running back Deuce Vaughn. He's a uh, Darren Sproles clone. Shout out! Um, I know we talked about a lot about of Darren Sproles talk tonight. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, um, I think th- those are the two best players. Cool, nice. Um, love it. Uh, I'm I'm pumped to watch some Texas football this year. Um, I guess we'll 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 close this out. We're we're coming up on an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> a- a- anything you, you want to like? promote any closing thoughts any can we watch you in your hot dog eating contest at, at any point or <laughs> is that not not open for the public what, what's going on there yeah so uh next weekend we're doing our second annual here in austin uh, hot dog eating contest first year it was just me uh, i did six, <laughs> 16 hot dogs in 10 minutes this year is it live I'm, streamed so it's gonna be live stream on twitch i can uh I can share that link with yeah, you. Yeah, I'll share that. I'll share that on on the podcast on the Twitter. 
Uh, and then, yeah, you just follow the handle. You're not going to see anything up until next Saturday, uh, August 20th. But then um, from there, we'll go live. And then this year, there's going to be two other opponents that I'm facing. We haven't set the official betting line yet, but I want to say it's going to be probably 17 and a half this year. Ooh. Um, the, uh, the what was the over-under for- last year? Well, what was the line last year? 14 and a half. Okay. So you went over last year. Yep. Nice. And, um, what's cool about this year, we actually might be doing it at a uh, bar on rainy street, popular bar area here. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, kind of an upgrade from last year. Nice. The handle for that is ATX HTDC two zero two two. So Austin, Texas hot dog contest, 2022. Nice. I'll tweet it out. Um, but yeah, uh, if you guys want to, you know, watch people eat hot dogs and, uh, wear porn website t-shirts, come watch that (laughs) on Twitch next Saturday. (laughs) That's awesome. That's really funny. Uh, well, good stuff, man. Yeah. Thank you for, for joining this and having enthusiasm about it. I, I genuinely appreciate it. I think it's really fun that, you know, you, you would be so excited about this and I think it made for some really good content. So if there's anyone else out there who wants to talk about their favorite team or preview a playoff series or talk about anything non-sports related, maybe a, a TV show or movie or music or something that you're pumped about, let me know. We'd love to do something similar with you on the show. Uh, Josh, appreciate you joining. Um, follow at Dono podcast on Twitter, send me an email at Brian at itestpodcast.com and follow Josh and watch his, uh, his hot dog eating contest. Josh, what's your Twitter handle? Twitter handle is at lemur 42 L I E M E R four two. Uh, if you want to follow me, I do try to live tweet all the Texas games and tailgates and whatnot. And it can be nice. interesting at, at times. So, uh, yeah, you know, give me a follow if you want. Good stuff. Good stuff. righty, everyone. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, give it five stars, and hook them. Hook them. Have a great Saturday, Brian. This is the I test. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the gridiron to diamond talking Mets, Jets, and bets. It's the I test. Yeah, we'll play a little Monday morning QB. Who we picking for tonight? You'll just have to wait and see. We got the covers over unders and the fumblers and runners. All you need is right here. The eye test is where the face is. The eye test. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the gridiron to diamond talking Mets, Jets, and Bets. It's the eye test. This is the eye test. You know we better than the rest.